Hey guys, and welcome to episode 54 of the Garage Athlete Show on what is um, friendly known as T-shirt off Thursdays because it is hot as balls at the moment. Um, is it is it really humid up uh, in Newcastle as well? Yeah, a little bit, not too bad, but I think it's about like, I don't know, 18, 19 degrees or so. It's, it's nice. Fair enough. It's been really really humid here all day like you know when it's like threatening to rain or there'd be a thunderstorm um and obviously it's willow's birthday tomorrow so we are gonna go to oh, um, have you ever heard of sundown adventureland sunderland adventureland no sundown adventureland i have not no yeah well basically it's the theme park for like toddlers um, so lots and lots of toddler-sized theme park rides, etc. So um, we went once before when she was a lot smaller, and she loved it. So we're going to go again tomorrow. And when we looked at the weather like two or three days ago, it was saying it was going to be like torrential rain. Um, but now it's like really? only thirty percent chance of rain. So oh, hopefully she'll have a good time. Oh, if you still uh, there? Sorry, I thought you were frozen. Yeah, sorry, I did. For, I think that might interest But uh, no, it should be good, man. Where did I go? I went to, where did I go? I went to, I think it's Lightwater Valley. I don't know if mm. that's too far from me. That was really good. Uh, if was that near York? Yes. Anyone in the north to take their kids somewhere, I recommend that. So is that the one with the, like, the massive wooden roller coaster? I don't know. I went to, yeah, I think so. I think it was off when I went because it was just as the first restrictions got lifted. So it yeah, wasn't on. We, um, we went to Lightwater Valley when I think it was the May, but we didn't know Natalie was actually pregnant with Willow at the time. She literally uh, must have got pregnant like two weeks before. We'd, so we've just said it was it was that roller coaster, like what forced the egg like into the wall. <laughs> we went on that roller coaster like ten times. Sure, Josh so was only really like amazing. eight, so it's he was just above the height limit. So it's the mm-hmm. first like proper roller coaster you'd ever been on, uh, and we went it. in May half term or something like that. Whereas it wasn't half term in Yorkshire. So it was really, really quiet. So we could we could literally get off, go straight back on, get off, go straight back on. We must have gone on it ten times. Um, it was great. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, I remember when um, when Mads was pregnant. We kind of we didn't know she was pregnant. We went on this ride in Orlando, and it was like I think it's like uh, like it's like this simulator you get launched into space kind of thing. <laughs> she got so sick I'm not kidding I was like yeah that brings it didn't work like she had to lie down for like mate it must have been something like 40 minutes we were just sat there like well I, I was sat there she was lying down I was like I think I need to get someone like I mean she came <laughs> around but I was it was a little bit scary if I'm honest it wasn't great yet. yeah don't recommend taking her I think she was in just sort of what, middle of her first trimester so she was proper sick and I was like oh right. man this isn't very good but I was more like mate I'm missing out on all the rides can you hurry up here <laughs> I've got to go to Marvel World come on uh, yeah but um, yeah well Claude is still here so it's all good but yeah it was good well we're wanting to go to uh, Florida next year we're hoping so we're going to take the kids 
it'll technically be our honeymoon, but we're going to take the kids in either the summer or the autumn. It, it all depends on what's happening with the world, um, whether America's opened back up. Um, by then, which you hope it will, like spring, summer next year. Um, but yeah, we're, we're just waiting to see because I think, just trying to think, I think Ben might be doing his A-levels that year. So we might just have to, we're, we're going to have to work it around his exams and stuff. So fun times. But yeah, obviously tonight we had a guest lined up, but they have been called away last minute. So thank you to those guys in the Home Gym UK group who did uh, post up some questions for us. So we haven't done a Q&A in a little while. Next time we do one, I'll probably plan it a little bit better and get um, a series of questions to come in. So we've got four to answer for you guys today. So because there's four, be nice, short, sharp episodes. We'll go into as much detail as needed without kind of over expanding on things and then let you guys crack on with the rest of your day. So First question is from James Sargent. Uh, he's got one for each training, nutrition, and then the home gym. So training, does training conventional deadlifts help with your sumo deadlift? Uh, I'll let you take this one because I'm guessing you'll know more about deadlifts than I will. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the simple answer is yes, yes, it will help with deadlifts. Some very um, famous, uh, I guess, powerlifters um, sort of swear by, I think his name's Kyle Wibben. He was, he, was, he was quite big on the scene a couple of years ago. I think he was the first guy to deadlift uh, like 420 maybe at 100 kilos body weight, I think. And he's a big, I'm, I'm, you know, don't quote me on that, but yeah, he, he did that. Um, and he quoted saying, was quite he trains a lot of conventional almost all the time he trains conventional and then he switches to sumo as he gets closer to a meet because he thinks conventional builds his uh, sumo that much that when he changes he's got all this work working say potentially weaknesses maybe or areas that he potentially misses because his um technique and he's he's like almost flawless at the deadlift like his positioning is just insane like you know when someone like sets up at the bar and it almost looks like they've already finished the lift before they've even started just the positions they get into like Yuri Belkin's just another one where it's like fucking hell like it's they're just already set up and everything is biomechanically perfect for a deadlift and that's why sometimes you say oh they're crazy strong as well but you see these light guys lifting insane amounts of weights a because they're strong and b because they're just so suited for it or they've just absolutely maximized their leverages so by him doing a conventional deadlift he's not maximizing his leverages like his um you know his hip opening up and where the bar tracks so he's actually trying he's actually working harder much the reasons i would probably say to build your normal deadlift work on stuff like uh stiff leg deadlifts because you know quite a lot of times you'll fail a deadlift because you get out of position so if you've got the strength say if your hips shoot up a little bit and you've built that posterior chain up through a stiff leg deadlift then you probably can muscle it up whereas it's it's the same theory with uh, sumo that by doing conventional you're really hammering the posterior chain maybe slightly more than you would um work the sumo deadlift though you probably potentially went more sort of hips abductors that it's uh, yeah very beneficial i would say the next question would be how good are you at sumo deadlifting um for example if you're new to it 
and you want to build it purely with conventional, it's not going to work because you've probably got some work to do to get technically proficient at it. So it could be that you have to spend a lot of time doing sumo to perfect it because you haven't um, spent enough time doing it to maximize your leverages and your techniques, your positions. And then the upshotters do a couple of days a week deadlifting, which is my preferred route for most people. So you do like one day of your sumo deadlifts and do another day of conventional deadlifts. That, that, that can work. Um, same for some people that pull conventional i'd recommend having a go at sumo just to learn a how it feels and b you'll probably use some muscles that don't necessarily get used like everyone sort of gravitates normally towards what they feel strongest at how they feel strongest like you'll see some people that will squat with their feet almost like like a split squat uh well not split squat like like sumo start like feet really wide out you'll see guys and girls squat really narrow you'll see people sort of doing different things bar placements or different things and you'll see internet people go oh you should try this you should do this oh you should try that and it's like well you don't know how that weight feels for them in that position so for me i actually squat fairly narrow because of kind of the way i'm built and where my strengths lie so when i go wider i, I almost feel like i'm in no man's land like this just does you just know it just doesn't feel comfortable you don't feel um confident confident in it so you know by to go back to the point um yeah the, the deadlifting conventional can be super beneficial for um sumo much the same way sumo could potentially help the the deadlift yeah so i think <clears throat> this is one of the areas where i think bodybuilding does it a lot where there's a lot of crossover between exercises um, obviously, that's two different different two different deadlift variations. But somebody asked me um, the other day, like about squats and leg press, like what's the crossover? So in that one, basically, if you improve your squat, you will improve your leg press. However, improving your leg press won't necessarily improve your squat. And the reason behind that is the technicality is kind of like behind it. So the squat is a technically more difficult movement. There's a skill component involved. There's a balance component involved. Your body is moving through space. There's obviously also a strength component involved. And nine times out of 10 for the average person, unless they have been squatting for a long time, they are probably going to fail technically before muscularly on a squat. So your technique basically starts to break down a long time before the muscles fatigue. Whereas with a leg press, because you're locked into position, there's only one plane of motion, there's a lot less technically that can go wrong. So it's a lot easier to take the hamstrings, the glutes and the quads actually to muscular fatigue, which is why you'll find a lot of bodybuilders like favor the leg press over the squat. So when it kind of comes to, I, in terms of the technicalities of both lifts, I think both sumo and conventional deadlifts are quite technically proficient lifts so like as dan said if you are new to either of them if you've only ever deadlifted sumo you will still be relatively weak at the conventional just because of the skill acquisition part you've still got to acquire that skill of that exercise and same thing kind of like vice versa whenever you try a new exercise there is always going to be a skill acquisition phase where you aren't actually able to apply the maximum amount of strength you have within that exercise. And that's what a lot of people forget, that when you throw something new in there, there's that 
initial phase where you're learning it. It'd yeah, yeah totally. Good. Sometimes you'll go. Sometimes you'll go backwards before you'll go forwards. Like when I sort of switched to the more. Um, I was, sort of, was it going to switch? Well, basically, but when I've tried sumo a couple of times, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't feel right. I just can't get to the position. Everything feels off. Whereas conventional has always come fairly naturally to me to get into the position to how it feels. Um, same when, but then when I first tried low bar squatting, like put the bars like low down my back, I couldn't stand it. I hate it. It just felt awful. It just wasn't comfortable. I couldn't figure it out. And then after like you know a couple of months, it was suddenly like, oh fuck, I can now squat. I think my low bar compared to my high bar is about 30 kilos heavier, just to give you some sort of idea of how biomechanically it's a much stronger position for me. Um, so maximizing leverages there. So we've touched on it before, like maximizing your leverage isn't necessarily the, the right idea if your aim is to build the most amount of muscle possible. I mean, it, it can be because you can still shift, you know, higher weight, higher volume, you know, build that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, shifting the bar higher up might get you working other muscle groups higher. So much the, the way to build uh, your your sumo deadlift, you'd um, conventional deadlift, same with squats, to build your low bar squats, high bar squats. It's, just like, it's probably the simplest thing you could do, though, to build your high bar squat, front squat. Like, it's just, you kind of change the position of the bar to make it a bit harder. Um, it's funny, like, I'm just talking uh, tangent stuff here now, but uh, you sort of mentioned technique um, with deadlifts. Like, uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was like, I was on the podcast, maybe they were saying, when you do a, uh, when you do a conventional deadlift, it's like you just sort of go in there and just sort of fucking go balls deep, just aggressive, just ah, rip it off the floor. Like it's kind of straight there. It's like almost like dry humping. No, no, it's like dry going in without any loop. When you do a sumo deadlift, it's more about, you know, taking your time, getting all the right positions, making sure everything feels really good. It's more like making love. Like, so more like, what was it? Yeah, that was it. Sumo's making love and conventional is just straight in there fucking. And when you think about that, <laughs> it's quite <laughs> funny. Yeah. When you watch the when you watch the sumo guys, it's kind of already like taking the time position. Yeah, really thinking just about like big breathe in, just, just yeah. When you think of conventional, like you'll see some, yeah, yeah. Like I had a good discussion. Um, this guy just scream his head off and grab the bar and just go. Wow, <laughs> fucking the girls as well. They're they're crazy strong at the moment as well. Do the same thing. Some of them like I think I'm Lucy something dead if like three hundred kilos at the um ultimate strong man it was insane but um i had this interesting discussion on my facebook i was like what's the best um lift is it deadlift or squat and everyone's like oh, deadlift, 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 deadlift. you know everyone deadlift, deadlift. but my answer was well it's the squat in my opinion and I'm like, well why i'm like it's rare simply put it's rare you'll see someone completely for lack of a better term mong up a squat you know rag it up use awful technique just get it up you don't often see people really just brute you know power through a squat without some form of technique i can guarantee you, you've seen at least a handful of people to deadlift and lift quite a lot of weight very quickly without any technique so they just literally you you see all the time where people kind of almost like stiff it up, stiff leg it up like just wrench it up and they're still lifting you know for people that haven't really trained you can hit a four plate deadlift pretty quickly you know if you've got you know obviously some size behind you and you you can kind of go in and just do it whereas you you won't necessarily see people do that in the squat oh you'd get buried under four plates in the squat yeah. if you didn't have your technique but yeah, yeah that's you... a very very interesting point there i've so i've had to join a commercial gym 
uh, for leg days at the moment, just because I've been having some issues with my neighbours. I won't get into that, but it's it's just easier just to, right, I'll pay my 30 quid a month. It's 24-hour access, so I can go in when it's nice and quiet. But the other day, I had to train at a relatively peak time, so I couldn't even get in the squat rack. So, like, I was milling about, like, doing bits of other stuff while I waited for the rack to, like, become available. So because of that, my eyes were up and I was looking around. And some of the, like techniques and just for and just issues you see you're just like oh i forgot what it's like um being in like a commercial gym setting like people locking out their knees on the leg press like some guy was in the chest press machine and i i kid you not for those of you that are listening on audio go and check out the uh, video to see this so he was in the chest press machine locked in this was his range of motion and he had it like right to the top and it was just like i was like can't tell if he's doing that on purpose or not really really can't tell and he like he got off it and just like yeah and uh yeah it's been some horrendous things that i've spotted in the gym but then again like i don't the the guys that work in there know i'm a pt so i also don't want to stand on anyone's toes by going oh look mate like let me just help you out with that just because there is PTs in there and I've done it before at a different gym where then the PT came over to me and was like, what are you doing? Like the guy had shot in form. He's going to hurt himself. He's like, okay, but that's my job to do. You don't work here. It's like, okay, that's fine. Why yeah, this, this, is, this is a good one because yeah, I've had this pop up. It's always a heated debate when it goes on. I'm kind of, I'm of the opinion, not necessarily like, I don't give advice if you pay me or all this kind of stuff. It, it's it's not about that. It's more just I I won't say anything unless they ask, which I, I guess maybe I should see myself that I could help people and all that kind of shit. But uh, I'm kind of like if, if people want to do that kind of stuff, I'm kind of like, you know, maybe one day we'll come around to it. But you kind of hope maybe, you know, it's happened to me before where I've been training the gym for a while. And we're, you're both going at the same times, and then suddenly they might see you train or see the people you're training, and then start to think, okay, well maybe I'm not doing this that great. Or they might even start with, why do you do it that way? And I always find that's where it kind of develops. But I, I used to be very much like, oh, I've got, well, I can't let them do it with this form and all that. And it's like, you know, I've hurt myself plenty of fucking times with good form. Do you know what I mean? Like people yeah. are going to get hurt sometimes. Like it could be a volume thing. It could be you're not used to ready for the load. Like my my form is fairly good, and I've still hurt myself several several times. And I've seen people with horrendous form get away with it for a very long time as well. So I kind of think you know, if if they want to lift that way and they're and they're happy not making progress and not wanting to get better, fair enough. I mean, I, I look back when I started, you know, I'm like, oh, God, this is brilliant. We stuck into the local gym. Like, we didn't actually pay. It was like a council gym, but they always left the door open, and we just always used to sneak in. But I would go on the step. Do you remember that? It was like a, the stepper machine. It's not the continuous staircase. It's just – it's almost like a cross trainer, but you have to keep pushing yeah. continually to keep it moving. <laughs> so we both went on that, me and my mate. 
<laughs> and like we, we, I push it completely down all the way to time. So you weren't actually doing anything. You were just letting it sink all the way down and going yeah. to the next step all the way down. And I did that for like five, 10 minutes. Till some guy was like, what are you doing? I was like, have you got a pass? I was like, uh, and I sort of just like left. But it was just, oh, so funny. Uh, like basically, I, I didn't have a clue. Like, you know, squatting wise, I didn't learn how to squat properly. So I was like fucking 30, mate. Like it took years. <laughs> it's, it's, um, you never know where people are in their journey per se. You know, I'm sure yeah. you could if you had a video camera looking back at some of the shit you used to do. Oh, no, yeah. There's a video on on you on my YouTube channel actually of me the first time I ever did 140 kilos, <clears throat> 140 kilo box squat, and it's like my local spit and sawdust gym. And the mobility in my shoulders is so bad that I can't grip the bar. I have to do a crucifix grip, and as well, my knees aren't getting to proper depth yeah i was ecstatic with that like the first time i ever did three plates on the bar right <laughs> let's go on to the next question we can talk about training this the training stuff all day right so again from james does it matter how you get your protein in i get a lot of mine from shakes but heard people say it's better to get from real foods however whey protein is just a byproduct of real food so surely there is no difference this is assuming you're already getting all the other nutrients and vitamins in so this is an interesting one because um, there's two ways to look at it. You've got what's called the bioavailability of food, which is basically how effectively your body will absorb the protein from its source. Like the number one bioavailable food is like, I think it's eggs, which is like nearly 100% bioavailability. The next one I'm pretty sure is beef. Um it's a superfood. It goes eggs, beef, and then whey. And then everything else falls into line after that, like chicken, fish, things like that. So, yes, you can get a decent amount of your protein from whey protein shakes. However, I probably wouldn't recommend it unless you were on over 160, 200 grams of protein a day very very easy to get in 140 ish grams of protein oh fuck it's easy to get in 200 grams of protein a day yeah. I, I this is i almost get <sighs> not angry at people or just like well, what are you doing like why can't you eat food like <laughs> there's plenty of five percent cuts of beef available there's even three percent now there's chicken breast you know i i kind of um first day before if i stand every day he's around on the internet you know whether you'd like him or love him he's got some maybe some polarizing stuff, but like, you know, his, his famous tagline is, you know, shakes is for fakes. And, you know, you could go completely to another respect and say, ah, oh, yeah, of course, you'll never shakes, not real food, etc. But, you know, they have their place, you know, I have them it's all the time. It's fast food. It's convenient. It's, it's fast. That's it's convenient. all a shake should be. Exactly. But at the same time, if you, if your diet's mostly about the shakes, it's not a good thing. I do it sometimes, you know, I'll, God, I've had days where I've probably had I'm on my fucking third protein shake of the day purely because I'm either doing something, I've got the kids, or um, it, this just it, I haven't got food in the house to sort out. So it does happen. But if that's your all the time, I don't think that's great because you know things like beef, it's 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 not just about the protein. It's got like you know iron, zinc, uh, riboflavin, the vitamin B vitamins, magnesium, potassium, which shakes don't have. So you got to look at the quality of your food. Like this is where things got a bit upside down with if it fits your macros. Because yes, that's right. It, you know, it is the most important thing we talked about all the time: nutrition, calories, the king, all that kind of stuff. But what you make 
the food you eat to make up to make those calories up is so important like the quality you know the the leucine content the quality the as you said the bioavailability that is it nutrient dense like beef is like a fucking superfood it's full of so much good stuff um you know throwing green veggie with that and you're like you're laughing but i eat i eat five percent beef pretty much every day um, oh, mate, I probably the vegans and I hate me, but I probably have about a kilo of beef a day, like every single day. Um, it just it, it, the creatine's in there as well. It's it's like it's not a question of I feel strong on beef or that. I just it's such a, like logically when I look at it, there's so much good stuff in. It, I'm like, well, why wouldn't I eat? It? I know there's you know the, the people talk about you know cancers and all that kind of stuff but that's like a, another discussion which i think it'd be cool to maybe get a nutritional scientist on to talk about that'd be pretty fun we'll try and find a guest but um i'm just like well yeah i'm gonna have that most days if not every day it just works so shakes are great i always have a bag of way in the house it's just easy to put in but yeah, yeah i mean food is king, a, absolutely it's basically try to have a structure where shakes supplement that's what it is. It's a supplement. So you should try, if you are planning your food, you should plan for as much real food as possible. But again, like I've got clients that when they wake up first thing in the morning, they can't eat for that first hour. Whereas I need them to get some protein in. So they then might have a smoothie for breakfast, in which case then um, put in some whey protein, a banana, some oats and some peanut butter into a blender and getting something in them first thing in the morning it's better than them skipping breakfast um something that i have like last thing at night is about 150 grams of greek yogurt with some whey protein a little bit of dark chocolate and some frozen berries because again it gets rid of that sweet tooth that i have at the moment because i'm dieting really hard so it, it's just a tool but it shouldn't be the be all and end all um and yeah, at the end of the day, like supplements companies are going to try and tell you that to take their supplement all the time because that makes them money. Um, but yeah, real food should be your number one priority. However, um, shakes are great. So it's a, <laughs> it's a, there's it not, well, I don't think we've really answered his question there because we've just gone, well, you've gone, well, I've gone, I like both. You've gone, I like real food. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say plenty of protein shakes. <laughs> uh, fuck that beef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to be a power lifter, eat lots of beef. No, man. Bodybuilders <laughs> as well. Fucking um, get one of the I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, so, <laughs> last question from James Home Gym. If you could only get one piece of gym machinery slash equipment outside of the standard things, uh rack cable dumbbells barbell weights what would you recommend um i know this one landmine i think having a landmine attachment that attaches onto your rack or onto the floor or in in some plates or whatever like it adds such a large amount of variety in just from like one piece of equipment which with a home gym like that's the thing you should be looking for it's like right what bits of kit can I get that are going to give me the most bang for my buck that I can use for 10 different exercises it's not just like a leg extension which can be used for two exercises um so yeah that's that's my one what about you I think aside from the obvious either a log I'm just sort of looking at what I'm doing in my gym now probably a log 
and I think you can do a lot with that. Or I've got this new uh, kettlebell I'm sort of trying out, where it's like it's a double-handed kettlebell, but it's got a handle inside it as well. I think that'd be really, really fun. Yeah, I think it's um, an overbell. I'll see if I can find the website and stuff. But yeah, it's meant like it's it's a double-handed kettlebell, 25k, but you can put your hand in it, so you can do like. Uh, you can like snatch it with single with your hand and press it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm quite impressed with that. So I think if you were literally just after like one tool, it would it would probably be that outside of um, the basics. So you know, I, I guess we're talking bench bar, weights, rackles, covered dumbbells, barbells. So yeah, I'd probably say the um, the double handed and hand inside kettlebell. <laughs> I'll have to work out what it's called. I have to find it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll end up putting a review on my YouTube for that one. I think yeah. So yeah, I would I would get that. It's bloody mint. Yeah, uh, I'll get Dan to send me the link to that, and I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, so Chris Robinson, you guys going to try out each other's worlds? The people want to see Deej do a strongman comp and Dan posing on stage. So no one wants to see that. <laughs> I think I might try out your world. Um, definitely, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Next either next year or the year after, I'll probably do some sort of strength block slash powerlifting block. And then there was actually a local strongman competition about a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a novice class. Uh, and then, so, uh, yeah, I'll probably try out strongman when I've put, basically I was about six weeks into prep. So it wasn't, I wasn't exactly going to be at my strongest. And it just didn't make sense because it would have disrupted what we were doing prep-wise. Whereas this time next year, I, I won't be prepping. So, uh, yes, you will see me doing a strongman comp. And um, So, Dan, we are going to get you in some posing trunks. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be – it would be hard. I think my aim is to look like an off-season bodybuilder. Like, just be fucking – lean and have abs and swole and feel good about yourself and be confident i think like bodybuilding is no joke like as you know it's freaking full-on and it's it's quite something i'm not sure it's something i would choose to do with my current life i think it would yeah be i was gonna say much. three kids as a few of my clients have found, they've decided to prep and I've pre-warned them about how much it takes over your life. Like, and it does. Yeah. And it doesn't just take over your life for the 16 weeks of prep. It takes over your life for about 18 months mm-hmm. because you've got your initial recomp, then like a building phase to put you in the, the right place to then prep. If you don't do that bit, prep will be god awful. Um, the mistake a lot of people make is they only hire a coach for prep and a good prep coach will never take on somebody that they haven't run their off season for. So if anybody is looking at competing as a bodybuilder, start looking for a coach about 18 months, eight, 12 to 18 months ahead of when you want to compete, because what they'll probably need to do is they'll need to assess your physique where it is Nine times out of 10, you're going to need to go on a a mini cut to just pull off some body fat so that they can then run your off season, bring your food up really, really high 
so that then when you then start dieting, your food is high, your activity is low, and there's lots that they can do. If you go straight into a prep, just kind of doing what you're doing, if you're running four sessions of cardio, we can only uh, eat in 2,500 calories a day, then like you're just going to diet yourself into the ground and it's going to be an awful, awful experience. So yeah, if you ever approach a prep coach, like to do your prep when they haven't done your off season and then just go, yeah, that's fine. Like that should be some serious alarm bells because they should be questioning, mm, no, I probably shouldn't do this just because I'm going to destroy you and I'm going to destroy your relationship with food. Because as Dan said, like prep is, is no joke. Like when you get into those final four to six weeks, like you have some serious questions about just life in general and the people around you need to be aware that you're going to be a bit of an arsehole for about six months. So. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty brutal. But I think like people don't realise, they do just how lean you have to get if you want to be competitive mm. or even just turn up on stage. Like to get like lean for, you know, abs on holiday, it's, you know, I would say that if if you really wanted to, now, everyone could do it. Yeah. Twelve weeks of dieting ahead. Well, that's it. Like that's the, like, like yeah. To just sort of get abs on holidays, you know, it's, it's it's a good goal. I think if you really wanted to, I would say pretty much every man could get in get, get, to get around to that point. You know, the ten to twelve percent of like, you know, abs, maybe some oblique show, that kind of stuff. That's not bodybuilding. That that's what I would call an off-season bodybuilder, where they're still kind of like leanish but it's when <laughs> to get to that like striated glutes it's like you're going to places like you're yeah you it's going to be a dark place and i think a lot of people i wouldn't say muck up their cuts but it, the, the tiniest thing can set it all off you know we're talking about you know we, you guys we talk about salt and that kind of stuff and manipulation but you know it's not your body does not want to be three to six percent body fat it just doesn't want it so yeah. you're really fighting against yourself to get that well, lean on stage it gets uncomfortable when you get under 10 percent body fat just because as you said every instinct in your body is telling you to eat more and do less whereas you keep doing more and eating less to get to that point where as you said you've got striations on your glutes like that's the the um what do you call it that's the aim now with kind of like bodybuilding um and uh, looking back at my photos last time like I I tried to prep too quickly last time so my first show I was so stressed and so stringy and then by the second show which I think was six weeks later I'd then been dieting for 17 18 weeks at that point and I looked so much better even though I was two kilos heavier because I'd got down to very lean very quickly, but then I could just stay there. So I was just pulling off a little bit more body fat, got some glycogen back in. So I kind of filled back out. So then I was actually lean at like, I think it was like 71, 72 kilos. Whereas at the, so at my lightest, I hit 69 kilos, whereas the highest of my off season this year was 83. So I think, my settling point, like when I stop competing and stop trying to like go up and come down, will be around the 75 to 77 kilos mark. And that's like a good, like healthy weight for me where I will be balanced. I can still have a beer on the weekend, still, still can have a takeaway, but I look like I'm in decent shape. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. I'm trying to think with me, like, 
I think I've got to get to around 110, 112k. I mean, I'm 100, I think it was 118 this morning. And um, so just look at, I'm just trying to look at that picture I took earlier. It's kind of like, yeah, I still think I've got about eight kg, maybe six to eight kg to go. So I'm kind of in that, you know, looking half decent at the top of kind of look. I'm like, fuck, that's that's quite a bit of, you know, wait, we're talking that's like 20, say 20 to 30 pounds I've still got to get rid of. And that's even before I would even attempt to start the cut to a bodybuilding show. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's it's another level. Another level. It's, uh, it's definitely an undertaking. And I think, as you said, a, a lot of people like the idea of it until they get, as you said, balls deep into the diet. And they're like, this sucks. My life sucks. I hate everything about my life. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so, like, the people you see on stage deserve a hell of a lot of respect. Like, if you ever go to a bodybuilding show and somebody is on stage and they look like they belong there, remember there's five other people that tried to diet and didn't make it to that point like the dropout rate is is really really high like i've known many many guys that have gone out on social media being like yes i'm doing my first show blah 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 gets to however long into it and they go oh well basically i'm pulling out because of Mm. xyz reason because it it literally does take over your life like bodybuilding is the one sport where it's 24 7 it's not just that one day of competing it's every meal every training session getting your sleep managing your stress you've got to manage your entire life because you are literally being judged on the outcome of every single one of those very small decisions every single one of those decisions is like building your wall and you've got to lay each one of those bricks as perfectly as you can. Dorian Yates describes it like bodybuilding as like building a wall. Getting your steps in is one brick. Every meal is one brick. Every training session is one brick. If you fuck up one of those bricks, it's going to have a knock-on effect. So then all the other things that are in there, there's not many sports where it can be like, right, I can have one bad day, and it could have a knock-on effect to the result that I get in six months' time. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's twenty four seven. You know that meme's going around a Rick and Morty at the moment of like, so it's like bodybuilding, but without the discipline, and you just lift the weights and sit down. It's like you son of a bitch, I'm in. It's like <laughs> pretty much true. Yeah, pretty pretty much true. It's, it's, it's powerlifting. It's like body, yeah, bodybuilding without the dietary um... and and discipline. Yeah, you're like yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that I I've had this big kind of almost like a shift in mindset where I was like, fuck, if you, uh, like, if you actually want to like, I don't say take this seriously, but like, if you actually, if it's like the the way I try to approach things sometimes is, is it more important for me to do this or to do that? And then when you try and think of it that way, it kind of uh, helps you get towards a decision. Maybe not necessarily be the right decision, but it will help you to get to a decision. So for example, Drinking at the weekends, uh, it's just something I was doing, do all the time, you know, a few cans, all that kind of shit. But it was starting to get a bit annoying seeing the weight gain on a Monday. It would come off, but at the same time, if I'm getting that a lot heavier every Monday and then it's taking me to Friday to get back down again, 
my progress is almost to the point where it's not actually going forward and it's actually kind of at such a slow pace that it's like not motivating at all it's almost like I almost had this decision where I was like it's going to make me now happier to not do that and progress on you know scale or body whatever I want to look at like you know it could be anything I was like it would actually make me feel better to do that that means more to me than this quick fix of eating something shit you know eat um drinking those I mean god yeah I'm still gonna eat stuff you know I'm quite flexible with my diet but it's it's that you're, you're always having to make choices and your choices are either taking you closer to your goal or further away from your goal it might be at one point you need to make that choice to take you further away for the the bigger picture. Fair enough, but you get back on it the next day. So if you can kind of break things down into, I want to do this thing to get me to the next point, those sort of quick wins build. So choosing the right meal, not overeating, maybe having, you know, like today, one wagon wheel instead of all the wagon wheels and things, little things like that. Decent biscuit, by the way. I've had it for, year, I've for had years. I've wagon wheel since I was like 12. But my wife came back with it and I was like, yeah, yeah, these, these are make macros are very good as well. Like, very, not, not a lot because it's kind of basically marshmallow and uh, like a little wafer thing and then a tiny coat of chocolate. I was like, decent. So I was like, I'd, I'd rather do that. So, you know. So watching the football had one beer instead of a four pack of beers, you know. So it's kind of like just little things like that. And they, they do add up. They really do. Because uh, this is where uh, macro, try, you know, if you look at IFYM, it's basically like if we, if we really think about it, it's like maybe just like have moderation and don't eat like a child or don't get overexcited when you eat things. It's like if we just ate the way we've been wanting to or should be have been for years, we wouldn't have this big problem. Of course, there's, you know, lots of other things like psychological factors. It's a fucking billion pound industry, the fitness industry, because we're still trying to work it all out, right? But it is basically comes down to, right, maybe don't overeat or if you're having dinner, right, maybe not a massive bowl of it, just a smaller bowl. It's crazy, huh, right? Eat less and all that. But it really is, like, stacked on top. Like, it really does make a difference. Like, instead of the net, net calories of the week, just having a lot less of what you would like to eat so i was at a seminar with lucas Sheehan, i think his name is like achieved some amazing like transformations while working in basically a pure gym in london so he put on like a seminar to be like right this is how get results blah 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 um actually his um, the one thing that I took away from that seminar is that tracking sheet that is now used in the spreadsheets that on, on the group things, so, you know, where people put in like their daily weights and it does the average and then the percentages and then same thing for steps and all that. That's like the one thing that I brought into my business from that is that that level of data that kind of comes in. But anyways, Absolutely. he called it if it so he called it I so it's if it fits your macros and not be a greedy bastard as well. Um, yeah. So it's one of those where you can eat anything you want and lose weight. Just don't don't be silly with it. Like flexible dieting is amazing in that you can eat a fairly normal diet. It doesn't mean that you should then go and figure out how to get pizza and ice cream and chips into your diet every single day. It's just that it's that 80 20 rule again so if 80 percent of the food that you eat is nutrient dense single ingredient foods that you could have got 200 years ago if you wanted to 
then you can have fun with the 20%. You can have some beers on a weekend and it not undo all your progress. You can have a takeaway as long as it doesn't become like a weekly thing and it not undo all your progress. It's designed to be flexible, but the principles of like eating well are still in there. It just means that you can have a burger and it not be you falling off your diet. So it takes away that taboo of this is naughty food, this is food I'm not allowed, which is then when people get into these over-restrictive and then binging cycles because they don't have it, they don't have it, they don't have it, they give in and have a little bit, so they have a biscuit, and then your subconscious is going, you've had one, you may as well have another, and next thing they know, the entire packet's gone. Whereas if you'd have just said, right, okay, tonight I'm factoring in two digestives into my diet and then it's done and it's allowed because I've, I've accounted for it and it's in there. In theory, that should put the, the dampeners on you then eating that entire pack of biscuits. If it doesn't, then don't eat trigger foods. Um, some people just can't have trigger foods in until they kind of learn yeah, yeah. that discipline of it. So for example, I eat dark chocolate like 75, 80% dark chocolate. Because I don't know if you've ever tried to binge eat on dark chocolate, but you will vomit everywhere. And it will not be a nice experience. Challenge accepted. <laughs> if you, yeah, get the 90% coca stuff and try and binge eat on it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, that's different. And like you said, like green and blacks, like even 80%, I'm just like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> chocolate feeds. So. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm, in my last prep, I got like the Bourneville dark chocolate. That's not dark chocolate. Like that is dark chocolate. Yeah. It's way too sweet. I ended up eating far too much of it. I was like, right, I can't, yeah. I can't do that again. Right, three hours of cardio for me this week. Um, <laughs> and yeah, don't get into that um, cycle either. That was a horrible place I was in for like four weeks where I'd end up like overeating slightly on food and then trying to overdo it on cardio, but then it compounds because your coach is already adding in more cardio. And, oh, yeah, that completely destroyed my relationship with cardio. Now I hate it. So, oh, yeah. That best hot sauce going, this is the best thing that I found in this prep, called Encona. Uh, very low calorie, very tasty. I'm just moving all this stuff. So the last one question is from Sam. I believe this is directed at you. You'll have to do a little bit of explaining the backstory of this because I don't 100% understand why Sam is so fascinated with your denim shorts collection. So Samuel Archersport, I think the best thing for everyone is for Dan to do like an MTV Cribs for his collection of denim shorts, then you two short play 45 minutes of gay chicken. Wow. <laughs> some underlying stuff there so i think <laughs> um I, i've only got one pair uh to be honest uh it's a nice pair from top man uh, my wife got me a few years ago uh, it all started because i, I in last lockdown back when i could actually deadlift uh i did a i used to deadlift in my shorts because I would wear them during the day. And if I'm honest, I was that fucking lazy. I didn't change out of them to train in the evening. So I started lifting in shorts and it just kind of blew people's minds. And then it was just almost like became a sort of thing. Um, but they were just kind of, it just kind of worked. So like they were kind of that stretchy denim, so they fit well. But uh, it just so happened when I was wearing those shorts, I was feeling, I was actually 
quite strong when I was around. I was like, you know, repping 240, repping 250, and it was feeling really good. So the shorts became kind of, you know, if it's good, just stick with it. So I just kept wearing them when I was training. So I kept wearing denim shorts for deadlifting. Um, now I don't deadlift. I don't really train in denim shorts. I mean, I'll bench them. Actually, no, I've bench some PBs in denim shorts as well, yeah. Purely because I was just wearing them. I like the way they look. But, uh, yeah, that's how that one all came about just uh, from yeah. lockdown a couple of years ago. Yeah, I had this video. It was like I suddenly shaved my head. I was wearing like a sort of cut off t shirt and denim shorts. I look like fucking like Kurt Angle or something. <laughs> just like just ripping deads. Yeah, it was a bit of a different look for me, shall we say. But, um, so, yeah, guys, whoever's listening to this, because did you post that video in the home gym group? I might have done, yeah. Yeah, I think it's So, did, yeah. if anybody could tag me in the, that video, I will dig it out and make sure that everybody can see Dan deadlifting in denim shorts. We'll we'll bring that back to the top of the feed. So yes, your homework, guys, is somebody to go trawling through Dan's old posts, find the one of him deadlifting in denim shorts, and tag me in it because I'm sure somebody out there's probably got a lot more time than I do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been great. squat. Where can the people find you, Mr. Mr. Frazier? Uh, Instagram, Barbers and Beans, Facebook, Dan Frazier. And for myself, it is DGPT on both Instagram and Facebook. It's been a pleasure, as always. We covered a good few questions there. And I will, I'll probably speak to you before next week, but I will see you next week. And for all the listeners, we will see you all next week. Thank you, everybody. Peace. Bye. Bye.